you can uh, go ahead and be seated. I haven't I haven't done anything yet. You might you might you might regret having done that. Um, <laughs> it's great to be with you this morning. Paul is a, a friend and brother, and um, with without a doubt, this Denver church plant is due in part due to seeing him step out, encourage to plant victory down here in Charlottesville, brother. I respect what you're doing so much. You have an incredible man. Uh, an incredible husband, an incredible father, an incredible brother as your pastor. So if you're visiting, uh, if you're here just checking out the church for the first time, uh, he is someone you can trust. He's a man of integrity. He's a man under authority, and he uses his authority uh, to demonstrate the, the character and the nature of, of the God of the Bible in, in a way that's tangible and relevant. So uh, thank you for letting me be here today. I'm here with my wife, Megan. Uh, my oldest daughter, Audrey, is here in the room with us, and uh, we've got the three others in, in class. I'm also here with some, some great friends who cheered for Sterling. They, these, these are friends who are Sterling and Denver. And so uh, to the Boyers and the Jacksons, I love you. Thank you for being here. We're establishing Hope Valley Church in Denver, Colorado. We moved this summer, and um, Hope Valley is a funny phrase for the Mile High City, wouldn't you say? Um, Denver has always been a place of many dreams, and it was founded uh, immediately following the California Gold Rush. Five years later, they found some gold in the Platte River Valley, and so people rushed to, to Denver to get rich, only to learn that there wasn't so much gold. And so their hopes were dashed, and they were left in the Platte River Valley. Now, Denver would come to serve another purpose. The Intercontinental Railroad would come through. It's a major communication hub. It also worked to serve uh, all the mining towns, you know, out beyond that were in the Rockies. But it itself wasn't the place to get rich. There was something else in mind for that city. And so while people still move there with great hope, they don't move there for gold anymore. Maybe they move there for for the Mile High City. Maybe they move there for wellness culture. Maybe they move there for marijuana. Maybe they move there for the thin air. Maybe, you know, for, for uh, uh, a host of different reasons, people move there only to find that the thing that they move there can't satisfy their, their deepest longings. And so they find themselves, though a mile high, still in a valley in their soul. And it's, it's our expectation that God is going to use Hope Valley Church to reach people there in the valley of their soul and bring them into relationship with him so that their lives could be forever transformed. And so Hope Valley Church exists, as Pastor Paul said, to inspire people to know, trust, and follow Jesus. And so, actually, I'm going to go ahead and skip the next two slides to talk about why we're going there. I kind of already described it. Um, but I will say that uh, as in every nation church, it does give us an opportunity. Actually, go ahead and go to that slide. There's a blue, a blue and gray slide with a map of the United States. We are go. This is every nation. Victory is a part of every nation ministries, every nation ministries and churches. And uh, so the blue is where we have a presence, either on a campus ministry or uh, a church present. And so we actually are in the process of planting a church and in Alabama and in Birmingham, and then the whole center of the country is is still uh, un, untouched. And we're a ministry that thrives with church planting and campus ministry and world missions. And there are plenty of large campuses here that need the gospel, and there are plenty of large cities that still remain to be reached in this part of the country. Every nation doesn't understand. Uh, I just probably messed up your live feed, didn't I? Does it come over here? Your live feed? Okay. So... Uh, so actually, this is labeled Utah, and that's correct. And this is labeled Utah, and that's incorrect. <laughs> and this is labeled Colorado, and that's also not correct. That's Wyoming. And so w 
what my wife and I have decided is every nation doesn't under even understand the middle of the country. <laughs> and we've taken it on as our responsibility to make sense of the whole middle of the country for every nation, uh, for every nation and also for the kingdom of heaven. Because, the, you know, there aren't there's East Utah, West Utah, not a thing. <laughs> so, so we're excited to go make sense of the middle of the country on behalf of every nation and uh, f- out of Grace Covenant Church. Uh, so you all are in a series uh, where you're going through, uh, last month I believe it was Reconciled to God, and this month is Reconciled to Each Other, and we're going to stay in that same vein. And I'm just going to pick up uh, in part where Pastor Paul left off. Um, thank you for playing the piano. That was awesome. I, th- I was hoping you were going to stay the whole time. I, it just feels really graced and anointed, doesn't it? Like I could have just read the Burger King menu, and you would have been like, hmm, that's good. That's God has been good to us today, and it was really just her. I was just along for the ride. So now, God, we ask that you would speak. Um, God, now that uh, as, we, as we enter into this moment, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and minds, that you would awaken us to your kingdom, you would awaken us to your purpose, you would w- awaken us to your love and the radical calling to which you've called us as your, as your body, as your bride, as your building. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to stay in this vein. I've, I've titled today's message, Worth It. It's just in the, it's in the same vein. The message title is Worth It. I love your mission statement. Reconcile people to God and reconcile to each other. I love it because it's not some newfangled thing that Pastor Paul just kind of made up to be cool, but because it expresses the heart of God in a really significant way. There's a lot of pressure to be a cool church right now. There's a lot of pressure to be a cool people right now. But Pastor Paul, what he did is he goes, I'm going to go with what's 2,000 years old. I'm going to go with what's, what's as old as creation. I'm going to go with what's as old as the heart of God when he created mankind, that we would be his people and he would be our God, and that together we would, we, we would live in unity with one another in service of our holy king. And so, so I love the mission statement. It's, it's a mission statement that resonates with our eternal longings. That, that God has placed in our heart, longing and desiring for something more. It's that longing and that desiring uh, of, uh, for the presence of God and that reconciliation for God that drives us to study the universe. You ever wondered why we're not just satisfied with enough food and enough, and enough meals and, enough, and, and actually taking care of each other here? It's because there's an eternal longing in our hearts that right here doesn't satisfy so we go and we study space, and we're like, we need, there's something beyond right here that we have to understand so that we can figure out why we're here and what we're supposed to do while we're here so we can understand ourselves. And so if we try and push God out of the equation, we look for the science of it only, and we go, well, maybe, maybe we can find the answer out there somewhere, but it's because of the longing that God has put in our hearts for him that drives us to study that, that drives us to seek after it, that drives us to want to colonize Mars. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. I mean, we like. I mean, sure. There's minerals and stuff, but there's nothing there. Certainly, no who's basketball. So, um, so, and then, and then the the reconciliation with one another. If you go to, has anybody been to D- 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 Disney World Magic Kingdom? Did you make the mistake of taking the uh, it's Small World After All ride? That thing. I don't even know what to call it. Man, that is like an hour and a half of torture. I don't know. It's probably not an hour and a half, but it feels like it. It actually feels like a little bit. It's like a glimpse of hell. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I was done with this ride five minutes ago. You know, I was, in, I was done with this ride while I was waiting in line to get into it. 
and now I'm in it, and I just want to get out. Um, but there's this dream for this utopic society where we would love one another and we'd walk closely with one another and we'd care for one another. And there's this, there's this longing inside of man that we would have relationship like that. And so what we do is we start screaming at each other so that we could agree with one another. But the, the reconciliation that we're looking for, the, the connection that we're looking for is one that's only possible in God himself, in Christ himself, because he transforms us so that we can be brought together. And so that's why I love your mission statement. It's something that's only going to be able to be accomplished in and through Jesus because it is his desire, not our desire, that we would be unified. Our desire is made plain all the time. We want to be unified by everybody agreeing with us. I want everybody unified to what I think and what I believe and how I feel to the point that I'm frustrated most, mostly with my wife when she doesn't agree with how I feel or think about a moment, even when I, what I think or feel is wrong. And a, just a moment of reflection would reveal, hey, my thinking is totally wrong here, but I want her in agreement with me. Anybody else? Just the pastor? Just the pastor selfish like that? I want, I want people to agree with me even when I'm wrong. I want, them, I want that to be what reconciliation is. But Jesus' form of reconciliation, he tells us in John 17 in his high priestly prayer that he wants us to be one in together in him just as he in, is in the Father and the Father is in, in him, that we would be one together also in him. You tracking? So this is his dream. So, so this societal longing to be unified and re be reconciled with one another isn't something that we've come up with. It's something that God came up with, and it's something that we can simply agree to and agree with and come into alignment with when we surrender our lives to God and to one another. Oh, I had kind of an amen or some agreement with, with God. The one another, it's like, man, I'm out. See, I can break anything. I'm just a guest. So, so I don't represent Paul. <laughs> so today what I want to do is I, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to I look at the cost of, of reconciling between men and God and man and each other, and then I want to encourage you, I want to remind you, I want to inspire you that it's worth it. So do you guys ever stand up and read it together? Can I do that? Can you guys stand with me? It's kind of a thing. It just kind of makes you stop playing, you know, that arrow game for a minute, you know, when you're trying to get the arrows on the circle. Just we pause for just a second. The word of God is unlike anything else in this, in this world. This is the most significant part of the service every single Sunday when the word is read. This is what cuts. This is what divides. This is what brings life. This is what brings transformation. This is the food that we eat the rest of the today. All I'm going to do is describe the food that we're eating. I'm like a waiter. I'm like, did you feel some, some earthy tones come out in, in this? And that's, that's my job is just to talk about the earthy tones in God's word. So if you could join me in reading together, always carrying in the body. Oh, wait, hold on. I think I gave it to him out of order. Is there one, is there a, ver uh, right before that? Here we go. Okay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. This is God's word to us. You may be seated. So I want to speak very briefly, very quickly about what's at stake as we consider reconciliation with man. And then I want to talk about what's what's at stake. And then I want to encourage you that it's worth it. First, what's at stake? What's at stake if we don't reconcile man with God? What's at stake if we don't reconcile with God? In short, it's everything. In short, it's everything. We don't talk about it a lot because we're an encouraging people and, and, and fire and brimstone preaching produces not very good disciples. It produces oftentimes scared disciples. And so we emphasize the grace of our king. We emphasize the grace of our savior and the mercy and the compassion of our Lord. But there is a, there's a very real judgment that's coming. And if we are not reconciled to God, we'll find ourselves on the wrong side of that judgment. It would be unjust of God to not judge those who are in rebellion against him. I remember a time when I was, uh, I told my daughter, uh, one of my daughters, not, not this one, I, I told her, I said, hey, if you, if you get back out of your bed and you come out here one more time, you're going to get a spanking because we believe in spanking, we're not beating or whooping or anything else, discipline because, yeah, we, he can fix that. <laughs> if you don't buy it. Pastor Paul, you can clean that up. And so my daughter, my daughter comes out again. And I was like, she, I was like, man, just go to your room. And she went to her room and she threw a fit. And I was like, what is she throwing a fit for? You know, like I'm supposed to spank her. I don't want to spank her. I'm tired. I'm just not in the mood. I'm worn out. I don't want to I want to go to sleep. And and so I go in and and I'm like, what is wrong? And my my daughter in her little broken little kid language was like, you said you were gonna spank me and you didn't. What? What kind of child is this? Not like the nativity song. The, the, like, the, this is like a different kind of child. I'm like, what is going on? And, and in that moment, I realized, I realized man, I, like, I am so unjust because my weariness and my tiredness, I didn't do what I said I was going to do. But God doesn't get weary or tired in the same way, so he always does what he said he was going to do because he's just and he's right and he's righteous in his judgments. But he's also loving and compassionate and merciful in his judgments as well. So, so it, it's, a, it's a real thing. And, and he, can't, he can't withhold judgment. But what he did because he's loving and merciful and compassionate is he sent his son to die in, his, in our place. So we don't have to stand in our own seat, but we can plead the blood of Jesus over our lives. And he can stand in our place at judgment. You tracking? Okay. You got a lot to clean up. So what happens if we what happens if we don't reconcile with man? And this has really been the focus in the in the month of March. What you end up with is is a, is a is a bride that's not washed clean. The Bible uses several illustrations to describe the church. It uses the example of a bride. It uses the example of a body and the example of a building. And there are a few more, but I'll stop there for today because alliteration is helpful. So if if we don't reconcile with one another, what we end up with is a bride that's not washed clean. A bride that thinks she's right in all of her ways and no one can touch her. You end up with a bridezilla. You end up with a racist, bigoted bridezilla. 
that thinks they're right exactly where they are without their ideas being challenged or confronted by any other part of the body of the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the part of the body of Christ because you're able to just justify whatever you want to justify in the word the way that you want to justify it you can also end up with selfish and prideful brides but what happens when we're reconciled together, when we're committed to reconciliation, is we're brought together and you realize I wasn't so right in my rightness. I was actually quite wrong in my rightness. And coming together and committing to be a reconciled people demands that of us, that we, that we commit to being with one another and we commit to being near to one another and close to one another and letting the word speak louder than every other thing that's speaking in our society, including our own opinions. And we approach the word with humility and we, we approach the word with compassion and love for one another. And we allow Jesus to speak to our opinions. And then what you find is that your ideas are transformed. Your opinions are transformed. Your ideas of what's right and wrong are transformed. And if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if your idea doesn't change, your heart towards the idea certainly does. If you happen to be on the right side of that or on the correct side of an issue, what you'll find is that God, God softens your heart towards, towards other people and softens your heart towards other opinions and softens your heart towards the other person's eternity. Because he doesn't just love you, he doesn't just love me, but he loves the people who are in meeting in other kinds of churches today too. So if we don't commit to it, then, then we end up with a bride that's not washed clean through this work of sanctification that happens as we come together. Or we end up with a body that's not functioning well. If we're not committed to reconciliation with one another, what we are is a body without a kidney. And so a body without a kidney doesn't last very long. A body without a spleen doesn't last very long. And what happens is the, the, the commitment to one another, what that does is it acts as a filter in our lives. And, and so as I come alongside people that aren't like me and don't believe like me but love Jesus and we come near to one another and we, and we labor with one another and we, we strive with one another, what happens is the, 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 the body starts serving its purpose and it starts cleansing itself. And not only does my theology get more right, but my heart gets more right and my soul gets more right. And, and, and together he gets more right in his in, in and his family gets more right, and my family gets more right, and then the church gets more right, and then the community gets more right. Are you seeing its effect? And it starts to grow outside of just me, but my health becomes a benefit to everybody that I know. And so when we commit to one another, if we don't commit to one another, what we are is a body without a kidney, without any kidneys, a kidney, right? You're like, oh, you still got one. <laughs> You'll make it. I know someone. Both kidneys. <laughs> and your spleen, just gone. Or it's a building, or it's a building that doesn't stand. It's a building that doesn't stand because it's missing the pillars. It's a building that doesn't stand, or it's a building that just lets tons of water in. Let's the, let's the, the environment from the outside come in. It lets the snow and the cold and the heat and the rain and the, and the bugs and the animals get into your house. Getting ready to sell my house, and a squirrel came into my house. We got a power washer. We wouldn't get dinged by the HOA, and the power washing knocked this thing loose, and then the squirrel found it, like, right away. And so I'm sitting here with a real estate agent, and there's, like, a, a circus going on above our head in the drywall, and we're like, what is, this is insane. Somebody's training animals in, in our wall. And, and so we had to get the animal out of the house because the, the house is for people, not, not for squirrels. But it wasn't doing its job, so I had to go in, and I had to patch it up. 
Some of our buildings need patching up, and that happens only when we're committed to being near one another. You're not going to get all that you need from God by yourself, and you're not going to get all you need with people who are just like you. It'll be more comfortable. But, man, I appreciate it when somebody tells me there's a hole in my house. I appreciate it when somebody comes and says, hey, we need to patch that hole in your house. I appreciate it even more when somebody commits to patching the hole with me. All right, so let's talk about what it takes. What does it take? In short, it takes everything. It's kind of the answer for everything. What's it take? We need to be willing to show radical love and hospitality to one another. Even in the midst of offense, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of difficulty. And it is going to necessarily cause a certain amount of suffering in your life when you choose to live this way. When you choose to live, live with one another this way in a multi-ethnic, multi-generational environment, seeking to reconcile people who don't love God to God and people who don't love each other to one another, there's going to be a certain amount of suffering. But we're called to show radical love and hospitality. If you could go to the, to the verse again, this time, Oftentimes when we read this, what we do is, and actually we read it this way this morning, and that we read it because of the way the sentence is structured, but we actually understand it this way in our hearts so much. When we read this verse, we read, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, persecuted, or perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And we put the emphasis on the negative part. But when we're doing this in Christ and we're doing this for Christ, not for ourselves, and we're doing this in the power of God, this is the way they meant to read it. Go to the next slide. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And depending on how you read this, it's going to dictate how you understand everything that you're experiencing. A little bit of persecution against your radical love and hospitality is going to really wreck your life, and you're going to feel afflicted in every way. Or you can look at the spiritual reality that Christ is sustaining you, and you're not crushed. Paul is the ultimate trash talker. I mean, homeboy got stoned and was like, all right, guys, let's go back. Right, like, like how, like, I, there needs to be a book, Gangsta Paul, right? Like, <laughs> serving Mafia Jesus. They both get what they want, and yeah, yeah. So, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Can you just say that with me? Say, I'm not crushed. You might feel like you've been getting crushed, but the Word's telling me that if you're in Christ, you're not crushed. So you need to change your perspective and change the narrative and not believe what everybody else is saying about it. Everybody else is saying that people don't long for God anymore. They don't want Jesus. They don't want church. But I see people who are longing harder than ever. I see people who are searching further than ever before to find their purpose and to find their, their reason for being. And we know it's found in Jesus. And that's what we're inviting people into. And, but, and so you can be perplexed, just absolutely befuddled by the confusion of the world, but as you're perplexed by the difficulty that you come up against, I'm not driven to despair. I used to be driven to despair. I've been driven to despair. I've been awful close. I was walking a real fine line earlier this week. I was like, oh, it's feeling a little bit despairing. It's feeling a little difficult. Did it make you nervous, me walking on the edge of the stage? 
That's how it feels, right? It's, it should have. This time, it works as an illustration. My wife's like, just back up. She's like, we don't want the wrong illustration. <laughs> what we'd see is just the, an illustration of resurrection. Just fall down and get back up. But we're not, say, I'm not driven to despair. Oh, you didn't believe it that time. Say, I'm not driven to despair. Come on. This side of the room's got more faith than this side. I'm not judging you. I'm just pointing it out. Persecuted. Now, we haven't even touched persecution. But they were persecuted. He says, not forsaken. You say, I'm not forsaken. That means you're not forgotten. You're not forsaken. Say, I'm not forsaken. Y'all, you're not forgotten. You're not forsaken. He hasn't left you behind. He knows where you are and the difficulty that you're having. And, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. And we're struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I got this man who's discipling me. One time I called him. I was just a mess. I was, things were going really bad in about every area of life. And, and I, I was in trouble at my job. I was in trouble in my marriage. I was in trouble in my parenting. And I was, I was just like, I need help. <laughs> and he's a, he goes, why are you so worried about those people? <laughs> I was like, because he's my boss, and it's, I, I, I'm like freaked out. And he goes, what, is he going to kill you and eat you? I was like, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> and he goes, what's the worst he could do to you? He could fire you. Okay, get another job. Nobody can destroy you. I thought I was destroyed because I was struggling in my job. My boss was mad at me. I thought I was going to lose my job and not be able to keep my apartment and do whatever else. But you know what I did have is I, had, uh, I did have family that would take us in. I did have other means of provision that, that we could step into. I, I, thought, I thought I was destroyed. I was only struck down. And some of y'all are acting like you're destroyed and you've only been struck down. But the only reason you're destroyed is because you forgot to get back up. Struck down, you get back up. It's like Rocky. Just struck down. Just get back up. And I know it's hard. And I know it's hard. And if I can speak real plainly for the African-American people in the room, when we talk about reconciliation between men, you've had it harder. You've had it harder, and, and no white person can ever understand. Not in the United States, anyway. And it's going to take more for you to reconcile than it takes for a white person to reconcile. We could talk about all the reasons behind it, but that's, it's just, it's, it's a reality. It's a difficulty. For white people that don't understand, all you can do is walk, walk humbly and understand that you can't understand. Picking up a, a poster board and a protest or a march doesn't make it the same. But here's what we do in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our difficulty, when our love has been rejected and our compassion has been trampled on and our hospitality has been shoved back in our face time and time again when violation or on top of violation, on top of violation, on top of violation comes. Peter says this in First Peter 4. 13, he says, but rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. There's a sharing 
and God's suffering that occurs in our life when we, when our, when our attempts at reconciliation to God and to one another fall short. Now, this is Peter. So, you know, it's not like he's not a white American saying this. This is a, a Middle Eastern, a Palestinian Jew saying, hey, who's being persecuted and has been told he was going to die a brutal death. He ended up dying crucified upside down because he didn't find himself to be worthy to die in the same manner of Jesus. So the tradition is that he died crucified upside down because Peter is like next level. He's, he's just like all the way, all throughout his life. He was next level, so he died next level. He's like, I don't even want to die like Jesus, so let's just do this another way. Let's take one of the most brutal forms of, of death and just make it just a little bit more brutal. Because <laughs> that's Peter. But when you feel struck down and when you feel persecuted and when you feel all of those things, what you really have is an opportunity to identify with Christ and his suffering. And here is an extraordinary promise that we can take to the bank every single time. He calls us to suffer on his behalf. He invites us to enter into his suffering. And it's not going to kill you. But even if it does, he's got a solution for that. He's got an app for that. That's pretty, nobody knows that anymore, do they? You got to be like, yeah, you got to be a little bit older. It's like just a really narrow niche. It was like two years where it was really cool when iPhones had apps. It was like, there's an app for that. Don't know how to tip your waiter? There's an app for that. Now you're like, of course there's an app for that, idiot. There's an app for everything. There's an app for things that don't exist yet. It just is there, just waiting for the need to show up. And it's just, it'll just, it's there, just waiting. So, oh, you, oh, is the keyboard going to come out soon? I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble. But I also, it'll sound really good again. No, I'm, I'm landing, so. I don't remember the keyboardist's name, so we'll just make a big deal out of it. <laughs> so. But what we do in all of this, family, could you go back to the verse, verses, um, start 10 and 11? Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. We who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. This isn't something we do for ourselves or because Pastor Paul thinks it's a good idea. It's something that we do because it's close to the heart of God and it's his idea. It's something that's going to happen because he's going to see it through to the end. And he's already supplied every need that we will have according to his riches and glory to ensure that we're able to do what he's called us and invited us to do on his behalf. This is, it's built into the plan that Christ himself dwells in us so that even as we die, even as we suffer, even as we're brought low, even as we're humbled and humiliated, the life of Jesus shines all the brighter. The power of God sustains us all the stronger so that his glory could be manifested in the earth. So is it worth it? We're here today enjoying worshiping together and, and, and fellowship, and we've, we've laughed a little bit and maybe been convicted, maybe been a little bit in, inspired. We're here today because they were faithful.
the ministry of reconciliation to God and to one another. I think about what would be possible if we commit ourselves to the reconciliation to God and to one another. What's the generational and the eternal impact that we will have if we commit as you, Victory Church, commits and as Hope Valley commits and as Grace Covenant commits and as, and as other parts of the body start to speak up and say, I'm committed to this and I'm, I'm right or die in this. I'm not going to turn. I'm not going to quit. I'm leaning into this. I'm going to endure the dis- discomfort. I'm going to endure, I'm gonna endure the, the, the pain. I'm going to endure the shame because I'm going to identify with Jesus and he's going to rise me up every single time and he's going to rise me up in this life, in this life, day after day after day because his mercies are new every morning as much as we wish it was also every evening. They're new every morning. <laughs> his mercies are new every morning. Actually, the Jewish day morning was he kind of, it was like the next day started at night, so whatever. So <laughs> his mercies are new every single morning, and he's going to meet us and sustain us in this life. And then the promise is that eternity is secure, so he's going to raise us up forever at the end also. If you could go to the very last verse for me, please. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for light Momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, the plans, the purposes, the promises of God, the eternal purposes of God that are going to be realized in and through this. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Family, as we commit ourselves to this, there's an eternal impact that your life will have, not just for your life, not just for your family, not just for this church, but for this community. And because of the community that this is and the international impact that this city has, you will impact the world for all of eternity. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for inviting us into your ministry of reconciliation, for inviting us into your life, for inviting us into your death so that we could be resurrected in you. We love you. We worship you. We adore you, and we thank you for your loving kindness towards us. God, we commit ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to your purpose. Even as you said it's worth it to die on the cross and be resurrected on our behalf, God, we choose to pick up our cross so that others could experience the beautiful and extraordinary gifts of your your generosity and your hospitality, your benevolence. the new life that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.